This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 6, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Poverty in the U.S. is a stubborn problem despite trillions of dollars in annual welfare spending. So what's left to try? Economist Colin O'Reilly suggests a massive deregulation on exactly the kinds of entrepreneurship low-income Americans might like to try. We spoke this week in Las Vegas. We've exploited a, a broad range of ways to address poverty, American poverty, which is not to be confused with uh, third world poverty or extreme poverty that uh, that other countries face. Uh, but nonetheless, we have a certain level of income that we consider to be poverty in the U.S. What's left? Yeah, and unlike what we often hear from, uh, you know, pundits uh, uh, talking on, on TV or, or writing articles about we need more regulations to protect the little guy and to uh, uh, help bring down poverty and, and inequality. In fact, they've got it backwards. Uh, poverty and inequality are, are raising consumer prices. Uh, they're preventing the small business from starting uh, and, and uh, benefiting the large business. Uh, they're reducing job opportunities for low-income families. And so these regulations actually fall disproportionately on the lowest-income households. And if we want to really address poverty and inequality and, and get it to budge, as you said, it hasn't moved, we need to, we need to radically rethink uh, how we're approaching regulation in this country. The Obama administration uh, making reference to, I'll toot my horn, uh, my, my family horn, I guess. Uh, my wife did a bunch of this research uh, years ago on occupational licensing. But aside from that mention from the Obama administration, again, late in the Obama administration, there's not much concern about uh, that kind of regulation and its impacts on the poor, at least uh, broadly speaking, from uh, elected representatives on the left. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a glimmer of hope. And, uh, and I hope that, that that can be, be rekindled. I think there is some common ground here between left and right, or however you want to phrase it, that, you know, we can address a core concern of the left, uh, that poverty and inequality are, are a problem and that there are good reasons as the Obama administration, you know, did lip service to, uh, let's address some of these occupational licensing concerns and get rid of the, uh, you know, 1800 uh, hour requirement to get a barber's license in uh, in my my home state of Nebraska and in many states around the country. One of the uh, difficulties here is that a whole lot of welfare programs are federal um, and a whole lot of that regulation is at the state level and the incentives do not see, appear to be aligned at all to try to maximize for employment or entrepreneurship among low-income Americans. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a problem at every layer of government, and there's been some glimmers of hope uh, at the state level recently. Uh, Rhode Island recently did uh, a pretty impressive effort to try to cut regulations, sort of put on a a cap on regulations, or actually change the default from "Hey, we'll leave the regulation here" to "We're actually going to cause a reform. We're actually going to going to say you need to justify a regulation to keep it on the books or sunset clauses." And that's happened at the state level. It hasn't happened at the federal level in the same way. Um, and and I think that the states should be an example for the federal government to take that same kind of action. What I mean is that you hear from the Obama administration, we need to address this. The feds don't really have any role in rolling back right. the overwhelming amount of regulation that the states are responsible for. 
Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the federal regulation does cause some of these concerns as well. I think a lot of the recent research has showed, um, you know, 10% increase in federal regulations raises consumer prices by 1%. Uh, and, and that matters now. Everyone's feeling inflation, but a uh, cause of, of those higher prices has been the federal regulations. But you're right. We can't just do federal. We got to do state as well. And so I hope that some of the initiatives in Rhode Island are going to maybe make Connecticut wake up next door and try it too, uh, especially if we start to see some success stories. So what do we see in terms of the relationship between a regulatory burden that predominantly falls on low-income people that prevents them from, uh, you know, grabbing opportunities as they see them and the rate of poverty. Yeah, I think it, it works in two ways, right? Some of these regulations are written by the existing businesses to protect the existing businesses, to protect their monopoly, limit competition. And that blocks that startup, that blocks that entrepreneur. So that's going to increase inequality by making the, the wealthy are uh, more, more wealthy. But it's also going to raise consumer prices. Uh, it's also going to uh, exacerbate uh, uh, poverty, right? We see poverty rates going up uh, in part because the the goods that low-income families buy are going up uh, in price faster because of regulations than the goods that higher-income folks buy. So you're really getting it on both ends. You're, you're, you're increasing poverty on the low end, you're increasing uh, wealth on the on the high end there, and and that means you got higher poverty and higher income inequality. For our occasional listeners who confuse uh, market being pro market with being pro business, uh, what can we do to reduce the influence of incumbents upon the regulatory burden of businesses and entrepreneurial enterprises? that do not yet exist. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. It really is. Um, you know, I think that if we think about politicians as, um, you know, operating in a market of their own, a political market, and one of the goods that they can, can sell is a regulation to a business to protect that business. Um, if we can raise the cost of, of doing that for a politician, put a tax on them, right? Make them face a cost of imposing that regulation. That's a step in the right direction. So can we give politicians a regulatory budget uh, in the way that you and I have to have a budget? Well, yeah, if I want to have that nice dinner, you know, I got to face the cost of that. Um, can we can we give politicians a regulatory budget and say, all right, if you want that, you want that regulation, that's costly. You got to think about that. There's an opportunity cost. There. So what what might that look like practically? Well, I think you know sunset provisions are one way to do it, um, but I think there's there's other ways where you you change the default. Right? It's not all of these regulations are on the books forever. It's that to justify, you got to go through and justify each regulation. Um, uh, or had set a cap, right? Set a hard cap on on how many uh, regulations there are. And so if you want a new one, you can you can put that in. Uh, but you got to actually think about it because now you got to take one away and there might be an interest group that, that wants that regulation. And so is that a silver bullet? Is that going to solve it all? No, but it's it's going to move us in the right direction of, of making politicians think before they put in a few more regulations. Is there something about regulations that predominantly harm low-income people, that is to say, prevents them from engaging in some enterprise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we see this both uh, uh, internationally and within in the United States. We see that uh, the more steps to, to start a business, um, 
the harder it is to start a business, the more costly it is. And so if you got a whole lot of money, uh, you can probably meet all of those compliance costs. But if you're just scrapping by and you're that low-income person starting that business, jumping through all those hoops, getting all those regulatory approvals, uh, and especially you talked about state level, this is at the city level too, um, you can't start that business uh, or uh, it's going to be a lot harder for you to start that business and you're probably going to keep working your nine to five instead. Years ago, Brink Lindsay, uh, formerly of the Cato Institute, wrote a book called Against the Dead Hand. And some of the stories that he tells in that book are about the deregulation of like tech in India, whereas the low income street vendors still faced a crushing regulatory burden, often to the point at which the activities that they were engaged in, just selling things on the street, were, were illegal. And uh, so you, you understand that the people who are able to have their regulatory burdens lifted are typically pretty well off. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great example. You know, you, you if you talk to anybody in the US, what's their interaction with the uh, economy in India? It's going to be that tech industry. And yet um, they're really stunted, uh, you know, not growing as fast as some other countries uh, like, like India, in part because, yeah, you can't have that supermarket chain if you can't have that business with five people, because once you go over a certain size, you're, you're just crushed by regulation. And so I think that's an interesting question. You know, uh, we see that maybe going on uh, in an interesting way right now with tech in the United States, where we, uh, you know, I, I do worry when I turn the TV on and I see Facebook asking to be regulated themselves, I, I start to worry <laughs> uh, what that means. Who, who's that going to benefit? Is that going to benefit uh, the consumer or is that going to benefit Facebook themselves? Colin O'Reilly is a professor of economics at Creighton University. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 